I uh, just want to take a second and uh, further honor the elders and uh, past and present. Um, I remember a long time ago when I was at Tyndale, uh, a professor who I really, really have an incredible amount of respect for uh, asked the class. It was a, full of, a class full of pastors and you know, future pastors, and he said, what is the one characteristic that God looks for in a leader and in his people? And you can imagine everybody was like, oh, courage, boldness, leadership, blah, blah, blah. And he said, no. He goes, those are things that are good. He says, when you look through scripture, the one characteristic that he creates in his people and he creates uh, uh, in people who he, he, he's calling to follow is the keen ability to listen to his voice. And I want to honor the elders, wherever you are, past, present, uh, to, to be a model for something that was growing in, in, and learning in me um, and holding to that true standard uh, for being a people, especially right now, when, and I'm going to be very honest with you this morning, where many of us, as Kevin addressed, uh, question, um, where's Forsbrook? What is, what is Forsbrook going to be about? What, what, what exactly are we trying to do? And I, I, I can tell you, um, I was going to say I'm not being paid to say this or not, um, I appreciate the fact that our leaders go face first before God, first and foremost. That it's a model for me, that before I can hit the books and become practical about any of these things, that that is cultivated in the leadership. Why? Because we serve a God who is alive. We serve a God who speaks to us. We serve a God who desires engagement and interaction with us. And here's the thing, and I'm, I want to trail off into this, and this is where, for us, I, I pray for listening ears this morning. That's a model for us because God's not just saving that for the leadership of the church. God desires that relationship with you. With you. And with you. So would you bow with me this morning as we pray and as we invite God to speak to us through his word that you wouldn't hear me. That deep down inside you would hear him speak to you in that, that voice, whatever it is that he needs to say to you. Would you join me in that? Holy God, you are alive and more than well. You are not a God who is far away, but you are present in the midst of all of this. I pray this morning that your spirit would have freedom to speak and do what you need to do. God, we're all learners, and so we ask that you teach us how to follow, how to follow better, how to tune our ears and to hear that much better. 
I pray, God, this morning for our fears, our trepidations, our areas of comfortability. I pray that all of those things would pale, just pale in comparison to our view of you, Jesus. I pray that today, new channels would be carved by your very hands. God, would you start with our hearts? God, the soil of our hearts are your garden. Would you till, would you break up, would you plant, would you water as you see fit? May your word reap absolute bounty in our hearts individually and collectively. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I was thinking about this uh, over the last couple of weeks, and um, I started off in Genesis as I was thinking about the fall of man. Um, And it started with eating, if you think about it. Right? Mankind was tempted with a meal. And they fell with a meal. And it's amazing that we started off this morning around a meal. And the same person who instituted this meal said to his disciples and said to us, I'm going to eat this with you one day in, in, in the flesh. But for now, you have this. And, and the reason I'm sharing this is because our story is laid out between meals. God knows where history is going. God knows he's bringing that about. And in the meantime, we're called to the table. We're called to be continually made into his image as we eat with him as we head towards that place. We know our destination. The question is, what's he doing amongst us, in us, and through us on the way there? The journey's laid out. If you uh, have been around church for any length of time, you understand that this is what God says. These are his promises. He's good for those promises. But there are other things that God wants to do in and amongst us. And the question is, what does he want to do? Um, I want to ask you to open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. We're, I'm going to try this, but uh, we're going to go through the entire chapter. Uh, I see some of you yawning. Snap out of it. Um, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11 We're going to run through this really, really quickly. This isn't going to be an in-depth type of thing. I I want to make a point about about why we're here. It starts off with this, and I want you to keep this in your mind. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. All right? And so Hebrews, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, right? Um, a lot of people think it was Paul. doesn't matter. 
it's not one of those things where we really need to argue about. But whoever wrote Hebrews had a close connection with the disciples, the early disciples. And whoever Hebrews was being written to, right, it was, it was being written to a group of Christians who had just converted over from Judaism, but they were being persecuted. There were lots of reasons outside for which they were, there, there, was a, there was a cause for them to say, you know what, we're not sure if this is worth it anymore to follow after. It's almost like they got version number two, and they're like, you know what, I think I should go back to version one. And so a lot of them were falling off. And Hebrews 11 comes off as the last sort of uh, convincing uh, portion of the book, of the letter, to whoever this is being written to, to basically say, look, I'm going to make a case for you as to why following after Jesus is important. And they start listing off. If you've never read Hebrews 11, I would really, really encourage you, uh, go check this out. If you don't like reading, uh, BibleGateway.com has a really, really great uh, listening app where you can actually listen to it um, in many different voices. I think Morgan Freeman is one of those voices. Very, very cool. Uh, you, you can hear all of these stories being read to you um, if that's one of the ways you digest the Word of God. And here's some of the examples of what he gives. He says, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain. Again, verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken from, from this life so that he did not experience death. Verse 7, by faith, Noah. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham. And then it keeps on going, and he starts explaining different people in, in Israel's history. And what the writer is doing is he's saying, look, I'm assuming it's a he, but he wrote and he said, look, this is, this is what's going on. This faith that you are called to, this, this experience with Jesus, is something that these guys, even though they did not know Jesus, they knew God. And he goes on to make a case for the fact that God and Jesus are, are one and the same. So one of the things that I want to share with you uh, this morning, I feel really, really heavy on my heart, is, is to look at these stories real quick and to kind of gauge them in, in sort of a spectrum of how big of a deal these are in terms of real life. You'll get this in a second. So for example, um, let me jump real quick to, um, let's see, verse 21, okay, of 11. By faith, I, uh, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff, okay? So I would say it's a pretty, pretty important deal, right? He's, he's, he's dying and he's kind of blessing his sons. It's, I would put it on this scale of life, where it's like, you know what, this is like a close-knit family type of thing. This is what's happening. Then you jump through verse 29. We're talking about Moses here. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when, when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. I'd say that's a pretty big deal. Imagine if you went through that. The, the spectrum of life as you go through, uh, uh, when you compare these two stories and everything else in between, is a huge, huge distance. And what I think the writer of Hebrews is trying to say is that the faith, the thing that God calls you to, is to honor him in every decision, every calling, every bit of life that comes your way. So if you want to add your story to this, by all means, I think it's an important thing. Whether it's you sitting and praying with your kids, whether it's you 
getting married. Whether it's you answering the call of God in your life and everything else in between, Hebrews is being written to these people and saying, look, your ancestors didn't give up. Here are their stories. I love this part uh, at the end of Hebrews. Um, let me just find it real quick. It says this in... Uh, says this in verse 32. This one made me chuckle a bit. So he finishes all these 31 verses of sharing these stories, and this is what he says. And what more shall I say? I don't have, to tie, I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms. I'm like, you're writing a letter, and you don't have the time <laughs> to talk about all these other big, big deals? And then he actually starts talking about it, right? He goes, well, you know what, since we got a minute, these prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, escaped the edges of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others who were tortured refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some others faced jeers and flogging, while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put by the, to death by the sword. They went about and sheepskin and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what God had promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So much for not having the time to tell you about these stories. And what Hebrews is trying to encourage its listeners is in order to do these things, you require faith. So think about this. We often think, and, and I used to think this for the longest time, a lot of our faith is wrapped up in what we do here at the church. A lot of what we do in our faith is wrapped up in what we do as a community. I'm not knocking that. I think that's an important piece. But what Hebrews is encouraging them to do is to say, look, these guys all had an element. And that element was called faith. So what is faith? Um, Hebrews 11 says faith is being sure of something that we hope for but we can't see. Then the writer goes off to in Hebrews chapter 12. And starts off with this verse, and this is where it connects. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Faith is believing what Jesus says about us, Faith is believing Jesus about what he's able to do in us and what he's able to do through us and what he promises to do outside of us. These stories in Hebrews chapter 11 and much more were characterized. 
big or small, whether they were blessing their children before they died or whether they led an entire nation through what seemed to be a miraculous thing and everything in between. And you see the stories. They shut the mouths of lions. They raised people from the dead. They, they, they did a whole bunch of things that we would look at and say, not me. Not me. And the writer kind of gives us this sobering moment. Guess what? Faith. Because Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith, because Jesus is the one who actually says, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something in your heart. I'm going to change your perspective on me. When we first started off in our, our walk of faith, that's what happened. Churches, at least from what I know, don't attempt to create or manipulate an experience whereby you kind of go away and say, yeah, you know what? That was really great. I'm going to go change my life. You know why? Because they don't have the means or the necessary uh, uh, things or, or resources to continue on that. Only God and his spirit does. So when we came to faith, for those of us who said yes to Jesus, we understood, we heard the word of God. Our lives were taken from here and were reoriented to what Jesus was doing. And so Jesus is the start of that faith for us. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to explain to the people who are listening, hey, faith, remember? In the stories of your ancestors, in the stories of your past, are men, women, and children who put trust in what God said he was going to do and they saw that through and they carried it off. It means acknowledging Jesus as the source of all those things that were happening and saying, yes, you know what? Despite the odds, despite all of the things that we see and think, despite what our society and our culture says, despite what's going on, I'm saying yes to Jesus. And this morning, as we were praying, as we've been praying over these last few weeks about what it was that we wanted this weekend to be about, we had this deep sense through this, this passage and through our, our times of prayer, is that we, as a congregation, before we say we're going to do anything as a congregation, we as individuals have to make sure that we've put Jesus in his rightful place. There was another question that sort of begged being asked this morning. And I, I was asking this about myself, and I want to ask this about you as our community. Am I becoming more and more of a disciple of Jesus, or am I becoming a disciple of something else? Do I follow Jesus in everything that I do? Because there are a lot of hindrances to that. I, I remember reading this passage uh, as a kid and reading this several hundred times. And I always read it in this, this context. When you see um, verse 1, it says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I always read those two things as one and the same. And I, I grew up in a very, very conservative uh, tradition for which the emphasis of sin was the thing. 
I'm not saying to you that I'm changing my stance on that or whatever. I'm not saying, now go ahead and sin, do whatever you want. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that the emphasis became so much on we should live our lives and not do this. We should live our lives very carefully and make sure we don't actually fall off this sort of way. And it was always the other aspect of let us fix our eyes on Jesus never actually became the central part of what life in God meant. I found it really interesting that yesterday, Jesse, as he was sharing this stuff, he was basically, one of the things that he said yesterday was, he said, if we become more about what we're against, we tend to forget about what we're meant to be for. And what Hebrews is saying to the people listening isn't, hey, you know what, your problems of of persecution, your problems of all these things will be solved if you give up doing bad things. No. Hebrews zones in on this point of saying, guess what? You're going through tough times right now? Keep fixing your eyes on Jesus. He's the guy who originally called you. He'll he'll be with you during the tough times. He'll be with you he will work things out the same way that he worked out a lot of those things that I'm, I'm listing out in Hebrews chapter 11. He's the guy who's waiting to help this faith come to full bloom, whatever that is. I really believe that this is something that we're being called to as a church. We're being called to the shores of something for which God is waiting for us as a congregation. It's not one of those things where we just want to call people and say, you know what, just come mindlessly. Because this is a call for us as individuals to put Jesus back into the rightful place of our lives. Yes, There are sins, there are things that maybe we have to look at in our lives. We have to reflect and say, you know what, those things, those, those are not characteristic of who God is and what he's calling us to be. So don't mess with that stuff because that will hinder, that will take away your view of who Jesus is. It will, it will, it will, uh, it will confuse the voice of God in your life. And he says, let us throw off everything that hinders. I, I, often, I often wonder, what's my excuse sometimes? What hinders me in fully listening to Jesus, fully fixing my eyes on Jesus? I realized something, and uh, I really appreciate the people in my life who, over this week and over the weekend, who've, who've kind of spoken into this morning, spoken into this passage for me, and challenged me. Because the hindrances are all around us. If God is leading us somewhere, and this call is for us to fix our eyes on Jesus, you can bet that there are a lot of things that are stopping us from viewing him. I don't know if I could trust him with my finances. 
I don't know that I can trust him in my relationships. I don't know that I can trust that he will actually do what he says he will do in my life. Or I, I just enjoy the fellowship so much that I'm just good with this. I had this image when I was reading, um, I shouldn't say image, I was, I was reading this text in Mark and I was just imagining what God was, what, what God was like or being there listening to Jesus. And there's this instant in Mark um, where he's called to go heal somebody's daughter who had died. And along the way, it says that a crowd was really pressed up against him. And as this crowd was pressed up against him, uh, there was this woman, you, you're probably familiar with the story, who had been bleeding for, for such a long time. And the scriptures say that she was, you know, she had tried everything. And she, as she came, um, she realized there was really, she just needed to touch Jesus. And Jesus asked this question, he goes like, who touched me, right? And the, the disciples are like, um, everybody? And Jesus is like, well, no, something's different. And the point of that, as I was thinking about that, is I think where Forsbrook's at. Jesus is here. He's working. He's waiting. He, he loves us. He's wooing us. There, there are some of you for whom I know that there's a deep, deep dissatisfaction to just doing church. And it's that dissatisfaction that's there because the Spirit is saying, yeah, I, the, the church is my tool to reach the world. It's not the goal. I am the goal. Jesus is the goal. Will you come and grab a hold of me? Will you come fix your eyes on him? Would you come and trust him for everything that he says he will do, can do, and should do through you? But I think that sometimes, like that crowd, we have a ton of things that hinder us. I'll be honest with you, there's, there's times in my life where I'm not sure that God can actually come through in some of my relationships. I'm confessing that to you. When I read this passage, I'm invited to reset that. Jim, would you fix your eyes and just trust me? It, it, it's, it's what God wants to do with you inside so that your effect can be felt outside. Hear that carefully. It's about God wanting to create something in you that will absolutely shake and change the way the world sees who he is through you. By fixing our eyes on Jesus, here's the challenge. Will you let him do what he needs to and wants to do in your life? I think part of the hindrances are some of the traditions we've grown up in. No, God can't do that. No, God can't do that. No, God won't do that. I love that over the last few weeks we heard stories of how God absolutely zoomed into our lives in so many different ways and said, I'm going to show you what I'm all about. Will we keep pressing? Will we keep pressing? Forsbrook, here's the challenge. 
Are we willing to let God do what he needs to do in each and every one of our lives? And I'm convinced it's not just an individual thing. It's meant for us to be doing, it's meant for us to be done together. Hebrews is encouraging us, let us do this together. Yes, you got to take care of stuff individually, but guess what? God is drawing together a people I want us to spend some time in prayer this morning, just in silence. And I want to invite you to think, what's preventing me from fixing my eyes on Jesus? Would you ask that? Would you just bow with me right now and would you ask that question? And let God search. Let God search what's in our hearts. What, what is it that's stopping us is it, is it sin? Is it something that's trapped me? I just can't get rid of. I can't, uh, you know, shake this, this, this habit, these, these addictions, these whatever. I, I believe God is able to set us free from that. But part of our freedom is going to come through us doing this together. And then the other question is, like, what, what are some of the hindrances? What's stopping me? Is it because I've grown up in the church and church isn't? You know, we, we, this is all there is. Because I think Jesus wants to do way more in our lives. Would you, would you just think and pray on that? As you have your heads bowed, I want to invite you to, uh, to bring what was there before God. Would you, would you do that with me? Um, I, this isn't something that, uh, you know, we're trying to display or whatever, but um, I want to make sure that there's an opportunity for here, us to respond this morning. God is gathering us together as a people. He's gathering a people who want, or he's gathering a people together who, who he wants to be fixed on him, to do what he wants us to do, what he wants to do through us, in us. He wants to change the inside of our lives. He wants to change the outside. He wants to change those relationships. He wants to change the world around us. But in order to do that, we, we have to respond to that invitation. Um, and I want us to pray for one another this morning. I know that there are some difficulties here this morning about things. I, I just can't get through this. My relationship with such and such is just a roadblock. You know, I, so much stuff in my life right now is just absolutely a dead end. How? How can I do that? I wish I could give you the answer except for say, 
God is calling us to invite him into that, to fix our eyes on Jesus, to trust him, to do what only he could do. I wonder if there's anyone here who has something where it's hindering us, it's hindering us from following after Jesus, would you, would you just stand with me? I stand with you. I want to pray. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray, yeah, thank you. I, I, I want us to, to be in a place where we could actually say to God, yeah, we're doing this together. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Let's keep doing that. And, and what I want to encourage you to do, guys, we've changed the seating around already, so you know what? Change is good. Um, I want to invite you, and I hope you guys are okay, because I'll tell you this. This is the one thing I really would love to see us kind of go forward, is, is would you have people who are either around you? Would you come around these individuals who are standing for prayer? Would you come around them and just talk to them? What is it that, what is it that God is, is laying on their hearts to, to ask and say, yeah, I, I need to give this up. I just don't know if I have faith on this. And would you guys just pray? Would people around them just pray? Would we just go and say, hey, you know what? Yeah, God wants this in your life. God wants your focus and your alignment to be on him. And I want to hear I want to be here to stand with you and pray with you. Would you guys do that? Um, and, and you know what? As you need prayer, would you just stand and pray like this is probably going to be messy and that's okay? Uh, could could we just try that because this is the call that God is putting on our lives. To start putting those things back into place. This letter is a corporate letter saying to us, "Hey guys, there's Jesus, who wants us to fix our eyes on him. But we can do this together. Would you do that? I thank you so much for your vulnerability. Would, uh, those of you who are, aren't standing, would you just go around and pray? Just ask, ask and say, what is, what is it that we need to pray for? Um, and, and just pray, pray freely. Um, let, let's do that. And if there's someone else who needs prayer, would you just, would you just stand? Uh, we need to make this about a community which God is, is just pushing through.